rolling. Great. So yeah, well, welcome back to Projecting, my matches podcast, because y'all can't, y'all don't hear me talking enough as it goes on. But um, yeah, I'm here with uh, Ryan Caligari. Ryan and I uh, went to Jesuit together, uh, even played in some bands together for a little while. Uh, oh, yeah, I forgot about I that. I know, right? <laughs> I was actually just remembering, I was like, oh wait, crap, back at, uh, back over on... Um, all like the oh, high the ground, the scuff. Oh my god, Jesus! All the, all the like. Oh, it was Greg's house, yeah. Yeah, it was over Greg's on. Uh, it was was he was on Oakland and you were on Herolians. Was that it, or was it the opposite? I forgot. Uh, Who was, was on what? I think I was on Elaine at the time. It was right. like a street over. That's right. Yeah. And um, all right, y'all had that. What was y'all? You, you Talbot, Manson, and was it Kromvich? Uh, first band y'all had? No, that was uh Dominic Filati. Oh, Dominic! God. Yeah. And who else was it? There was somebody else in there. We went through so many drums. We had Dan. I know, right? It was like... <laughs> I don't know if you remember Dan or anything like that. But there was so many in and outs with yeah. that stuff. And Braganini at one point, too. Yeah. You remember him, but... Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so we, we uh, go back, and um, obviously, it's, it's been a while, man. But so I'm glad to be catching up with you again under any circumstances. You know, it's always always good times, and y'all were such a fun group in high school. And um, But yeah, man, so I know... Like, what do you, what do you have to tell me a bit... About what you've been up to and kind of like what you're doing now, a little background. Okay, well, yeah, since uh, the Jesuit days and everything, I pretty much went on to do, uh, well, I went through like, I don't know, four different degree t- uh, degree fields and uh, ended up on chemistry after doing like what? I think it was like film, then liberal, oh, then psychology, I think, then there was one other, name, anthropology. And mm-hmm. then I just landed on chemistry and just said, no, screw it, I'm going to stay with this. <laughs> uh been working at two labs since then done lots of stuff like in terms of uh testing primarily mm-hmm. i'm doing pesticides uh mm-hmm. analysis and such and such and such which you can get onto later but um really one of the things that i did in my first lab that i worked at was i did a lot of uh gmo work really uh yeah. detecting gmos and stuff like corn Soy, which is the main uh, majority of what our GMO products are. You mean by detecting, you mean like you went and you like tested them for it? Or yes. like, okay. We would uh, take the sample and then usually, depending on how specific the client wanted to be, either we would test a protein that's expressed by only GMOs and that would be pretty easy to pick up. It's kind of like, like a pregnancy test for GMOs. <laughs> and then uh, if they wanted to go a little bit further in and uh, speciate what type of GMO it was, then you'd go ahead and... Uh, do something called polymerase chain reaction, which is just pretty much identifying the specific DNA that was uh, inserted into the genome. It's really interesting stuff, but um, I mean, it's such a like hot button issue, and has been for several years now. Yeah, I mean, and this is the thing. Like in all my time, I had some downtime over there uh, now and again, and I would actually just—I'm one of those guys that just likes to tinker and take apart everything I look at, you know, <laughs> kind of sift through the bullshit a little bit. But I mean, what I came to learn about it was that really. Uh, it's one of those things where I guess there's like a an abbreviation phobia that modern society has, you know. <laughs> I've actually I've heard a lot of I've never heard of abbreviation phobia, so it just becomes like the the banner and all that. Yeah, I mean you got stuff like FBI, NSA, CIA, all that stuff. Some stuff you should probably fear, but GMOs <laughs> is like one of those things where I'm pretty sure about half the people that are against it actually cannot tell you what GMO stands for. I mean, are you aware? 
genetically modified uh, organ? No, it's an uh, organism? Yeah. Okay, it is organism. Got I was going to say, I couldn't remember if that was wrong. But but yeah, go, it's exactly. not in the front of anybody's minds. But I'm also like, is. my parents are doctors, and like, I went to like a relatively liberal school where people decried things like GMOs. So, right. Yeah. And, you know, I don't really try to like. <laughs> so. I, and uh, the deal is, I don't try to really get in anybody's face about that type of stuff. Um, GMOs I'm a little bit passionate about, but I really don't fault anybody for having some sort of, um, uh, bad view on them because it's just a sense of education. You're not, it's not something that's in the front of anybody's mind. Usually there's a tendency in people's heads where if somebody tells them something, really, if they are interested enough, they'll actually look it up. But for the most part, there's so much information that goes through a person's head every day, even through social media and stuff to the point where you just take some things for granted. And that's and kind, kind of, of like, like becomes like a fear and ignorance response. Yeah, I mean it's it's exactly like that. I think there's a big battle between uh, like Facebook and Wikipedia, pretty much. Like you'll see all <laughs> that's these really little good. pictures. What was that uh, that thing that was going on for a while, where it was like ten thousand Syrian refugees are going to Metairie, and like people were posting that everywhere, and it was like right. You can boil it, it down. Like it was to crazy. The... Like there was no exactly. There was nothing behind it, but you people... put it through, through a filter. That was exactly. just like ten thousand refugees are coming to America. Yes, within the next year, it hasn't even been. Pre- Past, yeah. right, and yes, there are some and refugees yeah, in Kenner. Politi- yeah, and but instead of ten thousand, in... it's like uh, six. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the actual number. Is so hopping a skip from ten thousand, man. It's hopping a skip. Well, and there's one in Baton Rouge. <laughs> like that must oh. be the loneliest dude ever. Just like who did he come with to end up? Like we're gonna just go ahead and send you to Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Okay, oh. well, we have anybody to hang yourself? out with. No, I'm not gonna. You're not gonna be hanging out with anybody. You're gonna have to make your own non-Syrian friends in Baton Rouge. Good oh luck. God. By the way, they love drinking up there. So <laughs> it's that type of stuff. And you know, but that's the thing that I've been getting into lately. Is I like to in my spare time look up things, including GMOs. But that's a bit more of a powder keg issue that I sometimes try not to voice on too much. But you know, just there's also fun stuff. Like for instance, like I was saying, the war between Facebook and Wikipedia. Let's go with um. Let's see, uh, remember a while back, you see like those pictures on Facebook, like with a little story or something talking about like the ingenuity of the Soviet Union back in the day, where during the space race of the Cold War, you see that, um, the Soviets, uh, and the U.S. were obviously in hot competition, and they were spending their money like crazy just trying to build something new. Well, right. they had this issue of the pens didn't work uh, in the space. Pen, pencil myth, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, they said that the U.S. spent, like, millions of dollars of government funding just to make a pen that can work in zero gravity that happens to uh, be, like, I don't know, I think it's, like, spring-loaded or something like that. I forgot what it was. But anyway, they said that, you know, the Soviets, in their simplicity... Because required gravity, use, right? That was the whole yeah. issue, was pens require gravity for the ink to come out. Right, and the Soviets decided that they'll just use pencils. That sounds really, really smart. And simple on the get-go. It sounds like a real story. I mean, there's nothing unbelievable about that. Well, there is there is a grain of truth in it. Like, um, pretty much, yeah, the Soviets did use pencils. Uh, And eventually the U.S. used pencils at some points. But, A, they didn't use government money. Government money was all private investing. And, B, um, pencils are really dangerous in space. Um, Graphite or lead, whatever they were using in the 60s, has a tendency to flake off. And the same reason why grain elevators will blow up if a spark goes off, same thing for lead. It's just like floating flint going around the whole place. And when you're in a highly pressurized oxygenated space capsule with nowhere to go, that can be a problem. The simple solution could get you blown up. Yeah, it's not exactly <laughs> Occam's razor. Um, but that's the thing. I mean, there's never a whole 
truth to one thing you hear immediately most of the time. It's like the story isn't like fabricated. It's just that the motivations and rationale behind it were not are, are a little obfuscated. It's a game of telephone and perception, pretty much. Like, you know, one person tells somebody else this, then maybe a word or two changes around, and then eventually that person's ideologies on it or them wanting to be clever about it and make okay, an anecdotal. Like personal invested. It's easier when it's anecdotal, or... yeah. But I mean, there's stuff like that that's really fun. We can get onto some of that stuff later. But I mean, I guess in terms of GMOs, most people, um, let's see, let's go with what you have heard about GMOs then, uh, in terms of why they might be dangerous. Because you sure. see all these things, you'll go to Whole Foods and they, you know, pride themselves in not having... Non-GMO is like a positive banner. Exactly. Yeah. You'll see that everywhere. So... Yeah, I mean, obviously I come from somewhat, you know, casual audience of that. I'm not super informed on it. But... That's perfect. The, exactly. The knee-jerk reaction to GMOs that I've gotten so far is that people's fear, people have this general fear of like carcinogens, toxins, non-natural things, like, you know, leaching, like microwaves. People have the myths about microwaves, right? Where it's like the microwave zaps the nutrients out of the food. There's this nebulous concept of that. And I feel the same way that's what people perceive with GMOs is that it's like, it's, since it's not natural on the first layer, it's not as good for you. Even if it's not bad for you, is that like there's somehow less nutritional value because Mother Earth didn't produce it in, in a pure way. There's this kind of right. mentality there. And then... um but my, my the other thing for that's it. They're so modified that you start hearing stories about like, oh well, it's it's actually bad for you. It's going to you know these these products will cause cancer. These are we're we're uh, diluting the species diversity through GMOs, and we're going to end up with like all of our crops dying because of it. There's, I've heard a bunch of little things that are like not fully explain people give like the one-liner awesome so well we can address some of those things <laughs> the first one that i want to get out of here um outright is that there is the scientific concern for gmos and then there is the whole foods concern for gmos <laughs> or i don't know take any coffee shop you'll hang around here i mean we right. got plenty of those in new orleans and it's yeah. fine it's just you know uh it's on education sometimes. But anyway, so we'll go with the whole thing with, yes, GMOs sound scary when you say genetically modified organism yep. and when you say something might give you cancer. Well, just to start off with dispelling it, we have well over 2,000 uh, scientifically backed independent research studies that say nothing about any sort of direct harm to any biological right. things like livestock or humans right. except for maybe the things that they're supposed to be killing um <laughs> pretty much uh that's where you hear a lot of pesticides come up too that's where you hear a lot of that stuff we can get into that because yeah. there is a little tie-in like i said there's a whole deal with the grain of truth with some things right and there is some sketchiness in it but ultimately in terms of direct health effect nothing they actually started using gmos in uh livestock feed in 1996 and they <laughs> There was a study. Yeah, because it seems this very, very modern thing that's like it's infiltrated all our food. Oh, that's why it's right. so scary. It's because it's new. I mean, right. people, I'm talking about people like in the sense that like, even people like, oh, back when I was younger and they're like, they're like 35. It's like, dude, you spend more than half your life probably eating GMOs. Yeah, exactly. Like, I didn't realize it, I didn't realize it was like the mid 90s. I actually had no concept of when that kind of started. So you said 96 was kind of more widely adopted. GMOs have been around for uh, about since the... 70s, I want to say, is a comfortable number for when they actually started making some for any practical use out of the lab. 
But uh, before 1996, all crops were 100% non-GMO. There was a study done using 10 billion different uh, livestock animals uh, from before and after uh, GMOs were put into production, and now Who did this? About... I'm just curious. That's such a large scale. Who did that? Is that like a government thing? Or was I'd that have like to look a... at. It was definitely done by I think the FDA. Okay. Because um, I don't want to. I don't want to be quoted on that. But it was actually yeah. probably multiple labs at that point. I mean, to, right. to track ten billion, exactly. you know, a lot of co-writers. <laughs> I can't imagine the scale of that. Jesus. Yeah. Um, and it was probably a few averages. But yeah. the thing is, is that before and after they looked at the results, and ultimately, it was boring. There was. <laughs> No specific trends that said, oh, these animals got some cancer from this GMO soy or these animals got uh, like just they died faster when they were eating GMO corn. And that's taken into consideration that now I think 70 to 90 percent of the world's uh, livestock feed is GMO. So I'm curious where are a lot of these figures coming from. Just I'm just I just have no idea where you even find this information. Where so where do you get that 70 90 percent from? Uh, do you see that like FDA stuff or is that like FDA has a lot of stuff on it? Yeah, and NCBI has a lot of things. What does that stand for? Uh, National Co. I, I couldn't tell you the, uh, the um, abbreviation right now. But, okay, um, that's really because that's the thing. Part of the fun of this is like hearing you talk about this and like I, I would love to go look some of this up because I have no idea where even this information is that people are then spreading misinformation yeah on. there's a lot of hot button websites <laughs> where you really have to look at what you like generally if you see a, a website that has at least more than one source and it's not the guy that wrote the book that's writing that article or something that you're talking about this one guy jeffrey smith that's a big anti-gmo proponent that uses his own book as references um <laughs> yeah uh encoding that doesn't usually work um i that's pretty uh it's a little bit shifty, but I mean, so there's tons of websites, but um, one of them, I mean, there's, a, I think the G, uh, just the website's called gmosafety.org or something like that. Well, that's going to tell you at the gate with their title. Yeah. I mean, y- you don't know for the most part, because it could be one of those that kind of give you the bait and switch where you look at an article and all of a sudden you use the big reveal of what well, this is what it actually does to you. I looked at it and it's actually pretty, um, pretty fair and balanced, you know. Oh, if I just remember have... that title. It's like GMO safety. It seems like it almost like a watchdog. That's interesting. Yeah, it um, it's a scientific website brought by like journalists that I think know what they're doing from what I've seen. Um, but anyway, so in terms of um, the way that it would hurt somebody, it's nothing directly. Yeah. Um, really, the way GMOs work is in the most basic form is for. Millions of years, things have been evolving naturally by selective uh, breeding, or just natural selection, actually, where the strongest survives. And when it has a resistance to something that it happens to go to, in terms of plants, it happens to pick that up, and those plants survive. One of them can take heat better when the climate's changing. That one might survive. One of them has some natural resistance to some sort of virus. It survives. And then it starts mating with the other ones that survive. Well... That's kind of what GMO is doing, except we are very specifically targeting certain genes. And it's nothing like we're going to take like something from a catfish and put it into a spinach plant. <laughs> it's more of um, there's resistances that have been yeah, found. Yeah, the other thing. You see a lot of extreme examples. People yeah. saying like they're using shark, you know, shark semen pumped into our corn. You know, it's like you no, see no, crazy. No shark semen. Yeah. But... <laughs> You'll see like ridiculous examples sometimes. Uh, no, I have some things about that when it comes to China tainting things. I wouldn't surpri- be surprised if they did shark semen. We'll get to that later. But um, <laughs> but uh, pretty much you take a gene that you find for something else. Like, let's go with um, 
Okay, golden rice. Golden rice is something that hopefully will be in mass production soon. Um, in Africa, uh, this will show you how much the whole GMO concern is such a... I, I hate... I, I hate the term, but first world problem. It is a legitimate one where only people that have food available to them will bitch about it. Um, So golden rice is this uh, rice that looks exactly like it sounds. It's uh, got a yellow tint to it. It's no different than regular rice, except it produces something called beta carotene, which is present in anything like carrots or uh, almost any orange food that you'll eat that has beta carotene in it. And that is a good source of vitamin A. What vitamin A does is it boosts your immune system and it prevents you from going blind. That whole thing about horses eating carrots having good vision, well, carrots do actually help your vision. It also, that's the thing where if people eat too many oranges or pumpkin or something, they will turn orange because of beta carotene. Um, (laughs) That's in everything. Um... Tons and tons and tons of children in Africa under the age of five die very prematurely from blindness. And then after the blindness, well, they don't die from blindness unless they walk off a cliff or something. But um, their immune system is compromised right. without vitamin A in there. The major symptom is blindness. And there's no immediate resource in Africa for something that would produce vitamin A, let alone much food at all, except for, you know, rice and a few other different things that can survive in arid climates like that or just poor conditions. So this rice has been developed to naturally create vitamin A and potentially save millions of lives. Um, So it's one of those things where people have to ask the question of, would you rather have something that you're scared of because it might give you cancer later on down the line, which hasn't even been proven in the first place. It's like kind of like a vague threat, like vague risk that's not even necessarily legitimate. Or would you rather have, you know, food at all? I I don't think anybody in Africa would say, oh, I don't want this, it's GMO. Yeah. Unless, uh, I can't think of a reason. Unless the, some crazy televangelist from Africa decided to say something to the extent of, um, it's not what God wanted. I mean, there's something to do that type of stuff. You've seen that yeah, stuff online, you know. Um, but pretty much, uh, I guess, addressing the real fears that the scientific community might have about GMO is that there's a few of them where people are afraid that you know, GMOs might transfer genes that are unexpected. Like there's some sort of super mutant that goes wrong, like in a comic book type of deal. And all right. of a sudden we have like a, uh, walking barley plants or something trying to kill us, or even just, you know, there's suddenly like cancer spinach. Um, right. I'm mentioning spinach a lot for some reason. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so, so far hasn't happened. Other things that people have worried about is, I'll give an example of uh, BT corn. It's the most used GMO corn. Um, what it does, it just has a natural resistance to um, a, corn bo- uh, a bug called the corn borer, which decimates crops terribly. People are scared that that's been the reason why bees have been having colony collapse. Not the case. Uh, there's been studies on bee larvae. They were afraid that it was developing in the gut, uh, this particular protein that kills off corn borers. And... Uh, Pretty much they found out, no, that's not happening. And they just recently posted a study saying that um, it's actually a certain pesticide called imidacloprid that uh, I deal with a little bit that has been causing colony collapse in bees. Mm -hmm. So that's going to get regulated soon. But in terms of GMOs, also not the culprit. Um, The big, and other people believe that, oh, well, you know, like you said, resistances. What if some resistances build up? Mm -hmm. Well, you have your option of whether something has a resistance to something and you create something to combat that and it builds another resistance, 
your two options are you lose your crop that doesn't have resistance to this, or you make a crop that has a resistance to this, and then that thing fights back and eats it. One way, either way, you're going to lose crops eventually. Just one way, you're going to lose them a lot faster, and that's by not doing anything about it. That's true. I mean, we haven't really gotten much better at farming. We kind of had a standstill up until, you know, more recent times, the past 200 years or so. Uh, so this is the next big jump, and we need one for a giant population increase like we have right now. Yeah. Uh, how are we going to feed the livestock that feed us? Or even how are we going to feed us? Right. That's the really big idea. And what a lot of these GMOs do is they have a tendency to either resist a pesticide that would kill off other weeds around it, mm-hmm. or like BT corn, have a protein in it that kills one of its main predators, the, boor- uh, the corn borer. And one of the things about that is, I, that's another thing on Facebook that I saw, was there was this study from some anti-GMO group that had a GMO corn and an organic corn that they got from some market or Whole Foods or so-and-so-and-so, and, so. and they put them outside for like two days or a week or something like that, two ears right next to each other. One of them went bad. The other one yeah, one of them went bad, one of them went good. And everybody's saying, look, the bugs when the animals won't even touch the GMO corn because it looks pristine after the picture. Number one, they didn't have a control group or anything like that. And they didn't have any proof aside from that picture of this, on their word, this is the GMO, and this was the organic corn. Either way, it doesn't matter. What they said was that the perfect one was the GMO corn. It was unnatural and nothing wanted to eat it. That's because the things that wanted to eat it died because it was made to kill them off. It was doing its job. Like, <laughs> and they gave a perfectly good reason as to why you should use GMO because your corn will end up looking like that if you're a farmer and you have this crazy plague of insects coming and eating all of your food. Right. So, I mean... It doesn't. It's it just kind of kill something else. Doesn't mean it's gonna kill you. Yeah, it's tons it, of things that like avocado kills dogs. Avocados kill parrots, but you know it's just like you <laughs> yeah. don't do that stuff. I mean, it, that's exactly. I didn't know avocados killed parrots. Good to know. Yeah. So if you ever get a parrot, you know, just <laughs> don't give them avocado. No guac. Um, <laughs> uh, so I mean, that's kind of built into it. And one of the last things that people are really scared of, two of them, is that. Um, like you said, there's eventually going to be one homogenous breed of corn. That actually is the probably most valid issue is because um, proper handling. Um, Farmers have a tendency to want to make money, and they want to use the crop that works best. But it's actually regulated that any farmers that have GMOCs that they can only use for one season at a time by Monsanto, which that's the big name that a lot of people are scared of, and they kind of have a funny business plan. Yeah, I'd say Monsanto definitely has some, like, "Mm, they have some things that they've done in the past, but it's also, like, it doesn't mean, therefore, GMO is bad. They're just, if they're a bad company, that can be separate from the issue of, is their product bad for us? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, They're they're kind of the, I don't even want to say anti-hero, because I feel like I'm going to get a bunch of bad emails, but, like, like the Deadpool almost of uh Well they are made they are made to a villain for a lot of things. Look at like uh Food Inc. I mean Monsanto is the villain of Food Inc. Right? Yeah, exactly. And the deal is is ultimately, yes, they are selling a pesticide mainly, and their corn is resistant to their pesticide. Or their soybeans are resistant to their pesticide. That's their business plan. Right. It's kind of like a DRM type of deal. Like, pretty yeah. much, you know, you can have a pesticide, but, you know, this corn is the only thing that can resist this pesticide. Business practice is not done in necessarily good faith, but not necessarily bad for you. Yes, it right. is a 
debatably, I, you know, I'll straight up say it's a shitty marketing plan, but it makes them money. <laughs> so to them, it's good. But anyway, they require that you only use these seeds for a certain, for right. one season. You can't reuse them. And also, you have to keep all of your uh, GM products or crops away from all of your organic ones. You have to have both on a field. Right. Um, and some farmers just say, screw that. I want to make more money and just start and growing them in everywhere. Up, you have to buy new ones. Cross-pollination yeah. happens. Survival of the fittest happens. And then those genes are passed on. That's a legitimate fear. But just like a responsible practice in anything, yeah, that can be controlled. That can be controlled with some regulation. It can be controlled with the farmer's sense of morality responsibility. I would assume most of them have that. I mean, I don't know too many farmers, but from what I hear, they're not bad people. Um... <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm I have an offend farm. I'm loving your asides. That the thing. No, I'm like, like, it's like legitimately funny. Like, it's just, it's just really funny asides. But, um, <laughs> I mean, but that's the main issue. And that's the one I would put the most uh, concern into. Um, and lastly, a lot of people think that, once again, that um, there's a trade-off. Like, you insert a gene in here, and then the gene gets taken, and then they, it's, like uh, equivalent exchange where you have to give something but you have to take away something as well like right. it'll get resistance to this bug but of course it won't get resistance to this even worse bug that's not the case right. it's pretty much a comparison of either you go into a battle zone with just a gun or you go into a battle zone with a gun and body armor right. one person has a bit better chance of surviving sooner you know that type of deal um so that's kind of the issue with all the concerns um Ultimately, though, like I said, when going over this, when it comes to a necessity, just like it takes uh, for converting to an alternate energy source of, of any sort, just the same thing here. This is our biological energy source where we right. need to eat, and the things that we eat need to eat. Right. I mean, sorry, vegetarians and vegans, but that just goes back to you need to eat too, and corn and soy are in there. Man, it would suck to be an anti-GMO vegan. That must be really expensive. That must be really expensive and difficult. Yeah. I mean, they have like a vegan restaurant around here now, but I haven't been there yet. Just vegan cheese kind of is, it's a weird concept to me. Oh, well, that milk and cow rape, you know, but, uh, but yeah, so I guess that's the end part of the serious rant and all that stuff, but that's generally the idea of kind of questioning things and not taking them for face value uh, just right. because you hear something i mean obviously don't be a dick and be that guy that says actually after every conversation or a little right. tidbit of you know an icebreaker and i'm i try not to be that but i mean there's also fun stuff that i like to eventually uh, look up and obviously since i work with a lot of food products that i test i get involved with some things and it's come to some certain um myths and uh like lore about uh, food or any type of scientific thing that I the thing is I like finding things where you're just told like for instance uh, let's go with uh, cooking right steak uh, you mentioned this when we were talking about ideas yeah, yeah exactly I mean a lot of people have said over and over and over again you want to cook a good steak you want to seal in the juices you got to get real hot and sear it that's not true <laughs> um, that actually just kind of shrinks it up and squeezes some of the juices out. I mean, if you see some bubbling and steam around it, that's the juices coming from the steak. That's not coming from anything else. <laughs> um, the best way to do it is low and slow. Uh, have you ever heard of sous vide or anything like that? Where what? Sous vide or um, mm -hmm. low temperature cooking? I mean, like I'm familiar like just because like, I cook jambalaya and red beans. It's a nice... You do your first initial heat, and then you bring it down to a simmer and just let it sit for hours. Oh, yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, they have this new thing called like an immersion circulator where you stick it into a pot. 
and you vacuum seal your steak or you put it in a Ziploc and then make sure it's airtight. And you can leave it at below boiling point, but enough to just uh, sterilize it, well, pasteurize it. Right. And you let it go for like an hour at like 55 Celsius. And that's, uh, I don't know my conversion rates too well at the moment. But um, pretty much it's well below boiling. 100 Celsius is boiling. So that's an idea right. of it. But you can get it super rare, super tender. The fat melts into like collagens. And it's just the juiciest steak you'll ever have. It's one of those where I literally will say you only need salt and pepper. And I used to never say that type of stuff. I was a big guy on seasonings beforehand. But it's that type of stuff where there's better ways to do it if you just put a little bit of uh, research into it, you know. Um, just like, you know, uh, smoking stuff. Usually you can get some really juicy, you know, tender meat if you smoke it because it's smoked at such a low temperature. Um, but just certain, like, urban legends that end up being kind of funny. Like, have you ever heard about raspberry flavoring? That little urban rumor that went around? I don't remember. Not even no. urban. It might be, uh, it might be maybe when I was younger. I don't know. You know, um, just look up raspberry flavoring and beavers for a second. Just oh, yeah, <laughs> where it's made from. Yeah, yeah, I remember. That was, that was like, that was like... That was like two or three years ago that was really popular, right? Yeah, it was getting around for a while. Yeah. So the idea is that raspberry flavoring um, is extracted from beaver ass. Yeah. And uh, and um, I, I was really interested in that one is where it came from. Because it's one of those that sounds so ridiculous that at first, just like, if I've heard this from more than three people, then it might actually be true. Because there's no way that somebody would be that stupid to be able to, like, propagate that. Like, it has to have some sort of grain of truth. Well, it does. <laughs> um... <laughs> And um, never touch raspberry flavor again. <laughs> there's good news about it, though. So, like, there is something called um, uh, castorium. It doesn't come actually from the beaver's ass or anal glands, like they said. It comes from the castor sac, which, yes, is still in the ass, but it's not the anal glands. So give it a little bit of, you know, uh, a, a little bit of credit, I guess. It's just like the whole thing with, like, perfume and, and like, you know, whale vomit. Yeah, they, they use yeah, that yeah. stuff. We use gross shit Amber, for all sorts uh, of things. It's, uh, um, uh, what's it called? Ambergris. Ambergris. Yeah, or ambergris, however you want to say it French. But, um, yeah, so, yes, they, scientists did actually extract castorium from a beaver, and they found out that it actually helps to enhance vanilla flavoring or strawberry or raspberry. However, it can be made a lot cheaper synthetically. So they do that. I mean, just think about it. Like, I mean, if, you, if people love raspberry shit and strawberry and vanilla, if we were able to fill that demand for it, Without like beavers would beavers. be extinct like immediately. It'd be like the rhino horn of flavoring. But I mean, like, <laughs> just imagine how ridiculous that would be. That's the thing. Like, you got to really put these things together in your head where you think, okay, well, they use beaver ass to make uh, some raspberry flavoring. Well, how are they going to do that? Do they have, like, a whole, like, facility where they just have beavers chained up in, like, these, like, ass squeezers to get, like, the oil out or something like that? They're just, they're not going to release them after just extracting their glands out of there. So, I mean, it's kind of a critical thinking type of deal and the importance of it. And it's it's some ridiculous stuff. You know, there's always the stuff like, you know, people's fingernails grow um, after they die and all that stuff. But uh, it's that's also not true. Yeah. Uh Instead of your fingernails growing, your skin just recedes. It shrivels up. You got a lot of more on your skin. And when it does, your fingernails don't shrivel up and they right. look longer. Um, there's just so many things that you would hear. And it's. I, I wish there was a way to make people more aware of building a filter in their heads 
where when you think about something and you hear it, you don't initially go, oh, that's interesting, or just go, oh, that makes sense. You need to go another step where you go say, why does that make sense? Right. Maybe, is it just appealing to my sense of logic, or is it actually grounded in reality? Yeah, and this stuff's harmless for the most part. Um, but then you get things like Jenny McCarthy and her autism campaign with yes. vaccines, right? Where it's like, I wouldn't even say that's particularly logical, but it's just the fact that it's it appeals to, if it doesn't appeal to your sense of logic, maybe it appeals to your belief system. There's a wow factor to it where yeah. it's so dramatic that people want to run with it and go with it and find a cause to get and behind. I saw a photo, it must be true. And it's from this person whose name I've heard before. It's this very like... Yeah, the autism thing... You know, I would say I don't want to entertain it because I want to say, you know, oh, somebody's so uh, too stupid, so stupid to believe that. But really, it's not like that. It's um, some people have different levels of education and are afforded different chances to actually have the tools to learn about these things. And I really want to. And fold they're just legitimately scared for their family. It's just that it's like it's like it comes from a place of like fear. A lot of things come from a place of fear. Yeah, I mean, yeah. homeopathy is a good example of that. Right. I mean, you, you've heard of homeopathy oh, where. Yeah. There's a difference between holistics where they, you know, that's one thing where, you know, they give you leaves in a capsule and they just, like, you're just eating leaves to, you know, cure some, something. Uh, and, yeah, sometimes it might be there's something beneficial in there, but you're ultimately eating Like aloe vera comes from a plant that's good for, you know, exactly. cuts and scrapes. Like, there are natural remedies in the world. But there's also neosporin, which is more readily available at a grocery store than getting an aloe vera plant, you know? And I don't have a problem with uh, holistics. Uh, unless you have a serious condition and you're like Steve Jobs and you just don't listen to anybody. Campaigns. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but homeopathy is one of those things that I consider to be dangerous. Right. Um, the idea of that is the exact opposite of holistic. So it's not only taking it a step farther, it's taking it a step dumber. Where the concept behind it is that uh, some guy in the 1800s decided that... Um, opposites are alike or some some bullshit term like that where the idea is let's say you have an allergy to cat hair um so what you can do is you can remedy your allergy to cat hair by taking very dilute amounts of it uh i guess they think about building resistance that's one thing that works for snake venom that doesn't work for something like an allergy to cat hair what they decide to do is take a cat hair get an immortal and pestle crush it up a good bit like real good everything yeah Real good, just and I'm not talking about like get a like shave a cat and do it. I'm talking about like take one cat hair, right? Take one, and that might be a little bit excessive still. Um, they get it all crushed up and then they start diluting it with water to something called a C factor, or um, I forgot what it was called, centimers or something like that. Um, anyway, it was some unit of measurement that they invented where it's one to a hundred, and usually the standard t- uh dilution rate they do to that is c to the six so you go one to a hundred of that cat hair then one to a hundred then one to a hundred then one to so on so on so on and sometimes they get to like 60 or even to like a thousand or so to the point where they literally don't want anything left of that molecule of interest in there because they say that water has a memory of some sort um and that that'll cure you that is on the surface harmless and just silly but, but until you apply it to something that could kill you. Ultimately, yes. People like, uh, just to say Dr. Oz, are giving these people sort of uh, certain yeah. remedies and backup things that just you know, oh, you should try this alternate thing that, you know, we haven't really got too many lab results saying it, but, you know, it's not as scary as chemo, so you should totally do it. Meanwhile, you're losing, ve- like, very, very, very valuable time 
doing something that is ultimately going to not help at the least and hurt you at the most. Well, you've uh, and money too. You're actually hitting a territory or something like I'm a little familiar with. Like you're familiar with Dr. Mary and like the stuff with um, hyperthyroid. Dr. Mary is this person who who was like prescribing 5,000 milligram intravenous vitamin C for like Ooh. curing things, and so nothing happens. Just piss it out. Like that's all vitamin C does. You, you you any excess you urinate out. Yeah, it doesn't. And it's, even, it's it's and it's like even doubtful how much it really helps. It doesn't even give you the common cold. A, yeah, you should have like emergency stupid. Like your body can only take like four hundred milligrams of vitamin C a day or something, and then it pees out the rest. And um, you know it's good for you. It is an immune booster, but like taking emergency amounts of it don't cure anything. And actually, the doctor who um, propagated that not out of a thing he he was the guy who discovered the immuno benefits of vitamin c and it's a legitimate thing and vitamin c is good for you and but he is now the one who actually is one of those vocals saying excess vitamin c is just waste yeah it doesn't do anything like emergency is silly and but the stuff was like with dr mary is that his big thing and his family is like he had his he had his license removed because of malpractice and stuff because he was People were having like hyperthyroid disease, and he would recommend intravenous vitamin C. But the big thing was desiccated pig thyroid from the there's an old 1800s remedy, and it's called Armorall. And it's like he loved prescribing it to people. So people with legitimate like hyperthyroid problems, if he even diagnosed them correctly, were taking desiccated pig thyroid for it. And it's like that doesn't do anything. Hyperthyroid, like your metabolism jacks up, your body starts shriveling. It's it's terrible. It's a terrible thing. You have your body's like out of control mood swings. It's it's like. And he just built this name, got a radio show. I think one of his kids still does it, and it's 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 dangerous. I never heard about that, but that's horrifying. Yeah, I mean that's worse than rhino horn. I mean rhino <laughs> horn just doesn't do shit, but you know, lots of rhinos. Okay, I was gonna say, except destroy a population of rhinos. But no, yeah. it's the thing. He's it's like, and it's not gonna get anyone sick. But what it does is it doesn't cure the problem. Yeah, and like that's a that's something that's like you, you need to be treating it. It's just like that too. I mean homeopathy and. Uh, there's so many fringe things where people can just make a buck off of people that really need help and yeah, whether it be help it can be malicious it can it you, can very be malicious look at any um any cold reader you know John Edwards whoever that the what is her name the uh long island medium they all do the same bullshit technique where it's just you know i'm Hearing a gym, is there a gym in the crowd? Some guy goes, oh, I got a gym, that's my dad. Like, yeah. that type of deal. And really, it, it gives a false sense of closure to somebody who's very easily impressed. Right. Televangelists do the same thing. Um, Cult's you, personality and just you wear James Randy? what they want to hear. Uh, you aware of James Randi or the Amazing Randi? Oh, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the magician guy. He can be kind of prickish when the way he approaches things. He's like the Bill Maher of, I guess, skepticism or critical thinking. But... Um, he uh, had a good point where he uh, followed. I forgot what the televangelist's name was. They uh, I'm talking about um, the big one. Yeah, from uh, not, not Creflo Dollar. No, no, no. It's uh, 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 Robert Roberts. Robert, um, oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. It's like Roberts or uh, or um, Pat it Robertson. It wasn't Pat Robertson, but Pat Robertson is one of them. Oh, okay. No, he's just the extremely homophobic dude. That's fair. Um, Dude, did you know the 700 Club, like, still has a show, like, showing the benefits of the gay conversion therapy? Oh, God. Like, when I saw that, and I was at a country club, but I saw it, I was like, who the hell puts this shit on TV still? And then I saw, like, uh, 700 Club, I was like, oh, it's Pat Robertson, that makes total sense now. He can just afford to fund it and not worry about making money off of it. Dude, I can't wait for the giant Katrina that's gonna hit the entire U.S. now that gay marriage is legal. That's know, gonna right? be crazy. Um, so ridiculous. But, um... 
Yeah, uh, God, now I'm gonna really think about it. Anyway, they found out that they were following the guy. He has a little headset, and people would write their prayer cards uh, mm. on their like things, and they would have his people it reading it to him on there. And, like, you know, look for the woman with the yellow walker, and then go help her out uh, with her arthritis. Something right. like that. And then also, if there was a check, like, under 200 bucks, they just throw that shit out in a dumpster. Like... <laughs> It, it's stuff like that where it needs to be questioned. Like, ultimately, you think to people, yeah, just let it go. It's, you know, whatever. It's a useless fact or anything like that. But ultimately, some of these things can really be useful and change things. If you, thi- if you think differently, it can lead to other people thinking differently and cause a positive trend. And also, just there are some bad people out there that come off as very yeah. much, very much so wolf in sheep's clothing. Absolutely. And that's some of the things that through this I've come to really be strong about is... The people that are both beer mongers in the GMO sense and the ones that have legitimate claims. The ones that have legitimate claims you want around. You want those people to be the ones that second guess you. Yeah, you can't blindly drive it forward and, and start to the point where you're not even following proper safety procedures. You're just like, whatever, nothing's going to happen. You know, it's, that's how accidents happen. But then you have the people that use something like religion, which, you know, say what you want about it, but ultimately it does bring some people a very big sense of security. Like that's some people's lives and they live very happy lives being devout. And then there are the people that all just exploit it. And it's so sad when you can think about some of these people that have used all their uh, welfare or their retirement money or even anything they've saved up for years, giving it to some preacher that wants a new Bugatti. Like that's what I was talking to someone the other day about like, you you know, you always got to be sympathetic sometimes to groups. Like, you look at, like, the skinheads in the 80s, and you look at, like, you know, even you look at people who join culture, WBC, and, like, it's not that... A lot of these people are generally not just, like, mean people. They're just very unhappy people. And they're people who are, like, they've been socially ostracized, or, like, maybe they were born with some deformity and no one ever took them seriously, right? It could be anything. It could be their super social anxiety, and they finally found a group that on the surface looks like they accept them and want them around and treats them well and offers them what they've always wanted, which is, you know, acceptance, which is some sort of safety and security socially. And, like, that's what a lot of these people plague on. And so religion, for a lot of people, is, like, their anchor and it gets exploited by these people. Yeah, I mean... It's very sad. Let's go with one of the hottest topics uh, on Earth right now, ISIS. Yeah. And as like a preamble to this, I do not whatsoever, <laughs> a thousand percent, in any way, shape, or form, condone anything that ISIS does, okay? Absolutely. <laughs> but if we're going to look at something in that sense, when you said skinheads, we'll go with something even more relevant. Well, that's where the conversation came from as we were talking about ISIS. In education... Right. That is the root of everything. Every day you see at least one shooting or carjacking go on around here, and yet you hear people bitching about the school system and not doing anything about it. It feeds into each other. Right. Um, As it's like one of the first things to get cut in state budgets. It's, you know, we... Well, when you look at something where there's no education available to most people, <laughs> like what's going on with ISIS-controlled Syria, right. uh, there's reports that I've read. I don't know if I heard it on NPR if I just read it uh, online, maybe on HuffPo, but... Um, Pretty much, ISIS is not big on Western ideology or education or any sort of learning whatsoever except for um, advancing the cause. So we have a situation where children from as early as, you know, four or five in their schools that they were going to that's been controlled by ISIS, there's no more learning to even read or write or anything like that. They pretty much show you beheading videos as propaganda 
or they give you something like AK training or showing you how to properly use a fragmentation grenade. Now, say those kids, say ISIS stays around for a while and those kids get older to about the age, I guess their fighting age would be anywhere from 13 or up, maybe younger. Whose fault is it? The kids that have not been taught anything else aside from violence and that this is what they are doing by the decree of God, the highest order, because the people that they look up to or the only people that they have to that, look up yeah. to have told them that. Or is it somebody else's fault? Because you don't know that with most of the ISIS fighters. It could just be legitimately stupid people that have been swayed. And yep. once they cross that point, there's the point of no return. Yeah. Yes, they deserve whatever happens to them. But, you know, you got to think about future generations where just like our kids here, you have people getting shot in the streets. You have nine-year-olds dying in Chicago because of a drug bust. Well, not even a drug bust, like a gang violence. Right. What are you going to do about that kind of stuff when really there's no sense of um, way to show them anything else. Right. Uh, over there, it's because, you know, they're under a very oppressive regime. Over here, it's because our prison system doesn't focus on rehabilitation. Mm, yeah. <laughs> we have, you know, people mills for prisons. But uh, I feel like it just got too heavy with that stuff. But just... Dude, you're fine. <laughs> and, I don't know. <laughs> no, but it's true. Like, it's we like, just went from talking about beaver ass to beheading videos. So, I mean, right. I don't know. Where but to... it's true, though, because you, like, you do have to... There is some, like... There is a strain. Like, you got to have some sympathy. Because a lot... They go, like, oh, my God, Twitter and social media controls everybody. It's like, no. Is that they're using social media to find the people who are looking for something. They're looking for acceptance. They're looking for a cause. They're looking for an anchor. And, like... That's like the same thing, like religion, something people hold dear. And like, it's like, for instance, the guy who, you know, shot up, uh, the Aurora shooter was like claiming like Christian Bible stuff, right? It's not that like Christian leaders went and told this guy to go shoot up a movie theater. It's that, it, uh, the, the Aurora shooter was a, was a, wasn't that, his background, was that his whole thing? Oh yeah, I thought he just hated Tom Hardy's acting. <laughs> but the, um, I think, I think he was a Christian, it wasn't that one. No, 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 no. It was like, uh, it was the shooting in, um, was it Netherlands? No, Denmark. What what country had it like two years ago? They had the shooter. Oh, that Bjornsson. No, Bjornsson was a serial killer. Yeah, yeah, it was that um, summer camp. That, yeah, 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 yeah. And the guy was like Christian ideals. It's like it's not like Christian leadership went and told him to do that. The guy used religion as a conduit for his own problems. Right. And like ISIS is preying on people. Like I guarantee you. Like if I saw a Twitter post from ISIS telling me, to pick, I'm not gonna listen to that. But it's also like. I have like security and like education and you know, I have what I need in life. But it's like, if I thought everyone hated me or I had, if I was dealing with chronic depression that was undiagnosed, right? There's all kinds of people. There's seven, you know, nearly 7 billion people in the world. I mean, you only need to get a fraction of a percent to make your numbers swell. Yeah. So it's just, I don't think it's that like kids these days and millennials and blah, blah, blah. It's that like they're, they're playing on the same people that skinhead said that anyone does it's it's you're finding groups of people who are generally misfits or undiagnosed mental cases like you know things like that yeah and you know and that's just me that's coming from my armchair philosophy psychology whatever i'm not i'm not an expert in these things but that's just like there does seem to be a common thread in these things it's exploitation of people who are weak yeah I mean, it's pretty easy to see those trends if you just think about it for a right. little bit i mean i'm i'm by no means have any uh, psychology background or anything like that but it I mean, everybody has felt like they want to belong somewhere. I right. mean, I mean, I've just been looking for somebody to podcast with, but, <laughs> but, um, uh, but yeah, that's kind of the issue of it. You know, you see people always making fun of anything like Weebos or 4chaners, and they end up going shooting up a movie theater or a college campus. I mean, it's kind of, there's no fostering environment for it. Um, Excuse me. It, it's just, 
it, it's a hard subject to really touch. And yeah. um, I mean, here we know those are some of the issues because you've seen, have you, you've been to a New Orleans public school, you've seen what that looks like, you've seen what a Jefferson Parish public school looks like even. Um, Why did we so readily adopt charter schools, right? We're looking for anything to overhaul our system. Right. I mean, I don't know if you how, where your listeners are Whether you agree are, with them or not, but that's where it came, you know, that's where that impulse came from. I mean, I don't know you, you know your listeners are from or anything like that, but I mean, we have a weird thing here where public schools are shit. Like, we have to go to private schools here in order to actually have a decent education. It doesn't like work like that. the space that parochial schools have carved out, too, in the education landscape. Yeah, it doesn't work like that anywhere else, uh, from what I understand. We pretty much just have... Um, well, you and I went to Jesuit. It's a private boys' school where you know our parents actually had to fork out some money in order for us yep. to go there. Meanwhile, you see people in Kentucky going to the in like Louisville. Like uh, I had had a girlfriend that lived up there once, and I saw her high school. It was like the size of UNO's uh, campus. Yeah, and in some states it's it's, it varies state to state, absolutely. But like when I was in Virginia, you know, I went to you know I went to UVA, and um, you uh, Northern Virginia has one of the best public school systems in the country. Um, it's um, it's ridiculous, and the thing is, but there are parts of Virginia with really bad public school systems. But most people, um, from what it sounds like, people I don't know if this is true. So Virginia people, correct me if I'm wrong. But the impression I got from other people in Virginia was that you went to a private school because you didn't have the grades to get into the good public school, and so your parent had to like pay to get you a decent education. Oh. so it was like you just you just because a lot of these schools, a lot of them, they're selective. You don't, they, you can't just like pick them. You have to apply and get into them. But it's not like you know, there's like a tiny one percent that gets the good schools. It sounds like across the board, public schools are pretty decent. Right. And like New Orleans, it's definitely whether rightly or wrongly, or whether it's changed or not, public schools have always, I at least we grew up with it being a joke. I mean, it was like you do not want to go to public school. Yeah. And like maybe that's changing now. I, I, I like to follow education. I haven't been on top of it lately. Then charter schools seem to have some promise. Some are not working. Some are. But public schools in New Orleans are just by the numbers. They've never been particularly impressive. Exactly. I mean, oh, you, I forgot you went to UVA. Did you make moonshine while you were up there? Oh, God, right. Now I brewed beer. Mm, oh. <laughs> I, just, I, I pitched a batch of meat uh, yesterday, actually. Nice. I've been making that. I'll bring you some sometime. I'd love to try it. Uh, yeah, uh, it's gonna be a, actually gonna be a Chewbacca's. We're doing a unit. Oh, are you in Chewbacca's? Uh, I'm doing security detail. Doing unit. Uh, you follow Doctor Who at all? I've, I've I've on and off. I've never been hardcore. Watch, but I've yeah. watched. You know, well, I'm be rolling with a Doctor Who crew, but they have like this giant thing called like the base of booze, and if like Doctor Who followers, the more recent series would know there's this like. Uh, there's this one character, it's called the Face of Bo, and he's this giant head in a tank that's like hundreds of years old. Well, they decided, some, one of uh, my friends decided they were going to make their own Face of Booze, where it is the Face of Bo, except with like the Kanye like blinder sunglasses, and like it has taps coming out of it pretty oh, much. Awesome. Yeah. So, it's going to be good. Make sure to go to Chewbacca's. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, I just worked with, uh, they, they gave us a bunch of costumes for a little music video thing we shot the other day. We did this like Star Wars cover thing with uh, there was a jazz band I was filming, and they uh, during their performance at Bamboulas wore a bunch of the Star Wars outfits some of the Chewbacca's people wear. Really? Yeah. Was, so yeah, I just wrote, I was writing the titles, uh, thanking them in the uh, credits just now. Oh, uh, that's awesome. And, um, <laughs> this is like a total be... huge curve in this conversation. It's whatever. This is the cool down. I I'm done talking. I, I didn't think I'd be mentioning beheadings sad. today. Yeah. I mean, I don't like doing that type of stuff. I like to keep it kind of casual, you know. But uh, you went. You made me go on a rant. You did this to me. I know. I ruined it. I guess we'll just like we'll leave it off with something like uh, okay. One of the others, uh, strange myths. You okay? You brewed beer, so I guess you obviously drink. So we're gonna go ahead with. Do you think that uh, beer before liquor makes you sicker, or no? Is it liquor before beer? 
You're in the clear. Beer so, before liquor makes you sicker. So the the I've heard that in the I have heard an explanation for that, which makes sense. Is that like your BAC is rising slowly on the beer, and it's that when you switch to liquor, you're already have a foundation. It's going up faster. You're especially if you're not pacing right. Exactly. So it's not about the actual content. It's about the concentration of alcohol and the rate of consumption. Yeah. And like beer. You you can drink a shot. Your first shot, you're probably not going to notice. Right. It's when you start, you, there's a threshold. Yeah. Well, of course. I mean, there's tons of alcohol stuff out there, and that's actually true. You got it like right on the dot, pretty much. It's just kind of a way that it goes. It's not like this order is going to kill you. you yeah. Know? It's more about it's the way you do it because people are more likely to drink beer over time, and then once they're already well towards drunk, they're like, sure, why not do a shot yeah, or something so like that? Everyone's loosened up. Like, it's a social pattern. Right. Um, and Although then, I do think cheap tequila made with no agave. Oh, I do. Tequila is my fucking favorite. Like, I know, but I do believe that uh, if you are drinking 100 a day agave, I just really maybe it's placebo. I really feel like cheap tequila. You feel it. Uh, you know, I, I think most of the world would tell you that too. But that's just like one of the things that I love. Like my favorite brand is called um, like any bar I go to, they always have it's called Well. It's a the really- brand's called Well. Yeah. Okay. Because if I ask for a Well tequila, I think like they just give me the cheap tequila. Yeah, that's what I get. <laughs> Um, but like, it, uh, let's go with that then. Liquor, uh, dark liquor and light liquor. Yeah, I've, I've heard that. I never believed that one. Though. But I'm also like, I'm, I'm, I'm like, two doctor parents. Like, exactly. I'm, I'm not the, not to like pat myself on the back. I'm also like the average a bunch consumer. Of and also, when you brew, when you make alcohol, you learn a lot about alcohol. Yeah, it's, it's a really <laughs> cool process. Um, but yeah, also, also BS. Uh, what was one of the other good ones? Um, red wine hangovers, very real because of the uh, tannins, right? The tannins, I know, yeah. I know the tannin thing's real because I've had some people. You know you're drinking this. Well, the tannin thing I know just because like, I don't know, but the thing I don't know is like you hear the the sugar in white wine is bad too and champagne's like, oh, champagne, the effervescence makes it go to your head. Like, I don't know if those things are true. Uh, um, that's I was... the red wine one I just know specifically just because um, a person that's like a good friend of my family in Virginia, she's like, basically allergic to tannins it's like she has a very strong reaction so she doesn't drink red wine because like one glass and she has like a massive headache that that's the only time i ever get hangovers is red wine like i was on a good like for a while towards the end of college i was on a good like four loco and mb 2020 splurge you know i just like (laughs) i love bum liquor it's amazing like it's just so good hurricanes up in virginia it's just malt liquor i don't think they make hurricane down here no i I haven't seen it but i probably would have drank it it's like steel reserve and crap you know it's just Malt liquor. Exactly. You know, there's can't no drink, definition for malt liquor. I've actually been curious what the hell qualifies as a malt liquor. It just malt, tastes like beer. Malt liquor generally is any beer that is above 5.9 percent ABV. That's at the lowest terms. That's like down here. But some places it's eight percent. Like for instance, uh, what's it called? Uh, for uh, not for loco. Uh, OE Old English 800. Oh uh, yeah. It's actually different ABV depending on where you buy it in the U.S. Oh, that's Here we have it lower, which is sad. But, well, some you know. states tax you based on the percent alcohol content of your drink. So that might be why. Oh, that actually would be a good point. Oh, I never thought about that one. Because I know I was uh, filming Reddit Doc in Salt Lake City, and their laws are, um, their laws are really crazy. So um, very, very strict. Uh, there is alcohol, don't worry. But you, so the liquor store, right? The liquor store is the only place you can buy wine liquor and alcohol above 3.5 percent beer any beer above 3.5 percent if you go somewhere else especially it's 3.5 percent or lower really yep beers that you've normally had and um they're now taps are different bars but when you go to a bar you can't buy a round of drinks everyone getting a drink has to come to the bar 
Oh my god, that's like too much to like sort out in my head at one night. I have a, I went to Baton Rouge for a show and I had like a hard time dealing with the idea of last call. Like when they just turned off all the lights at two a.m. Oh, I was last like, call in Salt Lake City. I don't remember. I remember it was definitely pretty early. It was not two a.m. I remember it being earlier. Yeah, but I, I might be imagine. making that up. Well, they don't even sell stuff on Sundays, from what I understand, right? The Virginia doesn't either. Ugh, that's Terrible. I just go, people are just going to buy a bunch of bottles on Saturday. Yeah, that actually promotes Americans binge drinking. Pro- yes, exactly. You're going to stock up and then you're just like... So does Last Call. Last well, Call promotes binge drinking. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like you're going to stock up on Saturday night and you're going to be like, well, I got all this stuff here. I may as well just, you know... You're going to have the availability to drink it right then and there. Yep. So everything's in good moderation, you know. That's why we don't buy large quant- buy things in bulk because then you're like, oh, I have so much of it. And you're like, I'm never going to run out. <laughs> oh, well, with like foods and treats and things, they're just things that like you really want, as opposed to like toilet paper and paper towels. When I found like Sam's had like six packs of El Himidor handles, I was just like, oh my god, I really need to resist this right now. I will have no self control. I'll never have to leave my house again. I'll just be drinking tequila and soda the entire time. <laughs> god, so I guess um, I guess one thing you know we're we're gonna probably wrap up soon, but I know you were talking about um because I think there's a good point just your whole theme here, which by the way. This is awesome. This is an amazing conversation. That just blew by. We're almost at an hour. Oh, really? Shit. Yeah, I know. Damn. We're at 56 minutes and 10 seconds right now. I'm actually, that's like, I just noticed that. I that This is unbelievable. This is one of my favorite sketches I've ever had. This is so cool. And I um, feel like I'm learning a lot and I have a lot to read. Well, I've been having fun. I like to just but, ramble sometimes. Yeah. But, um, but I love your theme of like, you know, myths and dealing with it and like not just being dismissive you're very very key on like bringing that up over and over again like don't be dismissive don't be mean to these people don't bring it up like actually and um but i you said you were kind of just doing your own podcast right yeah i think that's kind of like this seems to be the theme of it something like building off of that type of deal um almost turn into a game show type way i guess maybe one day i don't know i have to figure it out but yeah i I would like to eventually expand on it um it can bottleneck with content once you get to it you're going to really dig deep for the myths where it's like no i never heard of that you know but, um, yeah, I mean, I would be glad to come on anytime else you want to talk. I'm Absolutely. usually pretty free. So. I, love, I love repeat. So I, um, it's been great catching up with you, dude. Back on. Yeah, man, this is, this is so much fun. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, awesome. I, I absolutely look forward to doing this again. No problem. All right, man. Well, thank you all for listening. I hope this is informative. Um, and uh, anything else you want to add? Bye. All right, cheers.